As we get into the message this morning, this is part two of a series called Dwell, and we discovered that we have a relational God, and that God, you know, the three persons of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, Pastor Chris Losbach spoke last Sunday morning and, uh, and introduced us to the series on, on, the, on, on God and the Trinity. And if you, for some reason, were not able to be here, you haven't been able to, to, to listen to the message yet, I really encourage you to, to go online and listen to the teaching from last Sunday morning. It's really going to help. Uh, it's really important that you get that foundation of, of the Trinity and really had a good explanation of how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit from the very beginning have been in a loving, lasting relationship, and that, that is launching us into the subject matter for today on who are people and why did God create us, and who are people and what is unique about us. And so we want to have a foundation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then today we're going to go talk about, I guess we're going to talk about us today. Or I could say I'm going to talk about me today. How's that? It's all about me. No, it's not. It's all about all of us. So let's get right into the scriptures. We're going to begin in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, long ago... Long ago, that's many times when you read words like long ago or last week, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, you know, that, that, that's a, that can be an invitation. If you're not careful, that can be an invitation to your natural mind to check out. In the beginning or long ago, long ago. And so let's, let's not check out. Let's, let's stay tuned to what the, the Spirit of God has spoken and is speaking even to our hearts yet today. So long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And in verse 2, it says, And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he created the universe. He created the universe. So everything the Father and the Holy Spirit do is an overflow of their loving relationship in the Trinity. In the beginning, like, I, I like what, the way Chris put it last week, because the first four words, are, uh, in, in the beginning, God. Then he paused before he went into creation. So in the beginning, God, what was God doing in the beginning before he went into the fifth word there, creation, you know, created. And so discovered that God has always been a father and he has always been in a loving relationship with, the, with, with, uh, uh, with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. And in that loving relationship, creation came out of that and we are a result of the, of the creation of God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everything the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do is an overflow of their loving relationship and they want it to share it with us. So why did God create people? Well, it tells us here that uh, creation, according to these verses that we write here, let me read uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Let's go there and read verse 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says, So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Verse 12 says, For he... For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. I will praise you among your assembled people. So we can see here that creation is designed as a gift from the Father to the Son. 
So we are a gift. All of creation is a gift to the Son. All three persons of the Trinity as one God were in on the act of creation. So that is why God created us. He even created us in this loving relationship, wanting to extend this loving relationship with us, wanting us to partner with him to experience his love and that we function and operate in his love even at the risk. And love will do this. Love he created us and brought us into this loving relationship, even at the risk that he would be hurt, that he would be wounded by our failures, by our transgressions. But he was willing to go ahead and, and, and bring about that creation. So who are people and what is unique about us? Who are we and what is unique about us? Well, first and foremost, we always need to remember that we have been made in the image of God. Everyone say the image of God. So you have been made, all of us have been made in the image of God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, Genesis 1, verse 26 says, And God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us, to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God has created us in his very own image, in his likeness. And that is a, a huge hint there as to uh, what our responsibility is as human beings here on the earth, made in the very likeness, in the very image of God. And so we're going to look at, uh, we're going to talk about that at length today about being created in the image of God and what that means. So I'm going to share that with you. I want to communicate that with you by giving you three powerful truths that were communicated when God said that humanity is made in the image of God. And this will help you keep it in, in proper perspective and also will, will bring us into uh, our responsibilities as, as, as human beings made in the very image, the very likeness of God. Uh, again, don't check out there because your natural mind can't even comprehend how can I be in the image of God. I mean, God is God. God is creator. God is awesome. God is good. And I'm created in the image, in the likeness, the very image and in the very likeness of God. So let's bring it into a, endeavor to bring it into a framework where we can be, uh, where our, not only our spirits can comprehend it, but that uh, as a result of our spirits hearing it and being able to comprehend it, that it results in our, in our minds being transformed, being renewed, to, you know, giving our natural mind the capacity to believe it. And then to begin to function in it and to, and to operate in that likeness, in that image of God. So the first powerful truth that we're going to look at is that, first of all, being created in the image of God is that we have a sacred value, a sacred value. Every person has a value that cannot be measured by any natural means whatsoever. Your value is far beyond any measurement, any standards that, that other human beings would impose upon you. You are worthy. We are the apple of God's eye, and you want to continue to, uh, to remind yourself of that and, 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 and to be continually be reminded that you are an image bearer and that you have sacred value, which is tied to the sacred value of God himself. God himself, but it's beyond measure. 
And one of the quickest ways to devalue yourself is to begin to measure yourself among yourselves, to compare your, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth said that it's not wise to compare ourselves among ourselves. No matter how good you feel about where you are in life or how low you might be feeling about where you are in life, if you, com- if you begin to look around and compare yourself with other people to justify your value, you will become discouraged because there's always someone that's taller, uh, richer, wiser, better looking, has accomplished more, and, and just, you know, it, it's, 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 it's very frugal. It's not, it's not wise to be doing that. And so we don't want to be looking around and comparing ourselves among ourselves, but we want to, come, we want to stick with the, the, the truth and the reality of God's scripture that you have been made in the image of God, and that truth gives you sacred value. You are of great worth to God. Never allow that to be diminished. That will give you courage and confidence to go before the Father in prayer because you have value, you have worth, you are a child of God. You're created in the very image and in the likeness of God. Every single person has a value that cannot be increased and it cannot be decreased. The gospel story does not start with we are sinners and in need of a savior. That's not how it starts. Many times we think that's how it starts, but that's not how it starts. It does not start with we are sinners in need of a Savior. It starts with, and, that, and then God made man in the image of God, he made them. God made man in the image of God, he made them. So this is the message that needs to be proclaimed and lived out to a watching world. No matter what we are always to be compelled to treat people with dignity. Because not only do you have value, but all of God's people. I'm going to say all of God's people. All of God's people have value. All God's people have value. And so we always treat everyone with dignity. There is never an exception And Jesus didn't just die for us because we are sinners. He died for us because we have sacred value. We were created in the image and in the likeness of God. Yes, sin entered into the world. We're going to talk about that in more depth next week and the ramifications of that and also the solution to that. And also, I believe it will be next Sunday morning, or if not next week, it will be the following Sunday morning. I'm going to give you my thoughts that I believe that I'm satisfied with with where I'm at in life right now and my relationship with God. But I'm going to share with you how I answer the question in my mind, if God is, if God is love, like we say he's love and like we teach that he's love and like the Bible proclaims him to be, if God is love, why does he allow evil? And no, I'm not going to answer that this week. That's to get you to come back next week. Or possibly the following week. So you don't know. You have to come next week or the next week. You don't know when I'm going to answer. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm, going to, I'm going to answer to the, to the revelation, to the, my understanding of Scripture. I, I believe it's accurate. I believe it's in alignment with the Word of God. But 
I'm going to share that with you. Enough of teasing you about next week. Let's stick with today. <laughs> so you have sacred value. I think one of the, when, when it comes to the New Testament, I, I like the gospel of, of Luke chapter 15. Uh, we don't have that in your, in your notes. We don't have a slide on that. But the, the entire chapter of, of Luke 15, that's where we have the parable that reveals God as a loving God. And it's the parable of the lost sheep where he has 100 sheep and, and, and one goes missing. And he leaves the 99 and put, take, puts on an all-out search for the one that was missing. That's because that one had value. And he put out an all-out search for one. When he found the one, there was great rejoicing. Then the second parable is the lost coin. The woman had 10 coins, silver coins in the house. One went missing, put in an all-out search for that one coin that was missing. Coin had, again, showing that the one had value. And the the remainder of the chapter, the bulk of the chapter, really is, is what we often refer to as the story of the prodigal son. That shows the father with the two sons and the father there is God, and the two sons, and the one requested his inheritance, he received his inheritance, and then went out and completely blew his inheritance and blew his uh, character and the whole bit. He finally came to himself, and he came back to God, and and it, it shows that God, being a compassionate and a loving father, compassionately forgave the young man and restored him into a relationship because of his value as his creation. Because we can look at that story and we can read that story and say that young man didn't deserve to have a second chance. He had his chance. He, he pleaded for his inheritance. He got it. He blew it. But that, to me, so that, if you want some extracurricular reading, I would encourage you just to read Luke chapter 15 and just meditate on those three different parables. Jesus gave them as a result of him being criticized for, for fellowshipping, for hanging out with people that were not Christians being criticized by the other religious people, thinking that the people that Jesus was hanging out with weren't worthy or didn't have value of Jesus' time and commitment. Never, ever allow yourself to adopt that attitude towards anyone, no matter what they've done, no matter who they are, where they live, and how they're living. Humanity has value in the eyes of God. And we want to get to a place where all of humanity has a value in our hearts as well. And we we never are condemning or condescending towards anyone. So you have sacred value. And then uh, another profound truth that helps us remember who we are and what our responsibilities are as being created in the likeness of God is we have a sacred reflection. Humans are created with an ability to reflect God. We are not God. People are not God, but they do reflect him. They do reflect him. And so we can communicate. We can feel emotions. We can be creative. We love others. We are different than everything else in creation in our, in our ability to reflect God and his abilities. So we are, to be, we are to be reflectors of the personhood of God. Again, thinking about the reality that we have been created in the very likeness, in the very image of God, and we have, as a result of that, we are created with an ability to reflect God in our lives. 
in our walk here on planet Earth where God put us. And we have that, we have that reflection and we are to be reflecting God. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, we are told to imitate God in everything you do. Imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. You're a child of God. You're God's creation, so you imitate him. Now, what's it like to imitate someone? If you're going to imitate someone, you study that person. You study their mannerisms, their character, their, you know, their persona. You study that person, then you, you, you put out every effort you can to, be, to imitate the person that you're to imitate. Well, we're to be imitators of God, and we discovered that first and foremost, before God was even in creation, uh, God was love. He was in a loving relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They were enjoying relationship together. And so in imitating God, we are to be in loving relationships. We are to be creating, uh, we are to be reflecting his love, his grace, his wisdom, his mercy, his peace, his joy, his holiness, his righteousness, his patience. And we could go on down the list, but we have that sacred reflection. We are, we are created with that ability and, I might add, responsibility to be a reflection of God here on the earth. We don't, I, I don't have a slide for this either because I just thought about this scripture uh, this morning, but in Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to turn to that. I want to read that. In Ephesians 3, verse 9 and 10, talking about uh, a responsibility to be a reflection. We have a sacred reflection of God here on the earth. Here's what the Apostle Paul received when he received the revelation of God's grace and, and, and what, is the, what is the manifestation of, that, of God's love and grace here on the earth. And, and, and so in verse 9, he says, I was chosen. This is Paul speaking. He said, I was, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety. God's purpose in all his ways to use the church, that's us, and we say we are the church. Many members, one body, all of us different members, but we all make up the body of Christ. So God has chosen, God's purpose in, in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety. Now, a reflection of God. I'm going to reflect God differently than you might reflect him. But your reflection of God is not, any, not of less value than my reflection of God. The grace on my life, the giftings, the skill sets that God has given me may look different than yours. But together, we're all reflecting the perfect image of God. When we all come together in that, in that unity, in unity, we're one and we are, there's diversity, but there's unity in diversity as we reflect God. And I just think that's such a powerful statement that, that, that warrants our reflection and our meditation on that. And just to really allow that to, uh, 
to become real in our hearts and in our, in our consciousness, that we are conscious of the fact that God wants to use me. You could, you could personalize this. He's, yes, Paul is saying the church, but you make up the church. You're a part of the body of Christ. So God wants to use you. God wants to use the church to display his wisdom. In its rich variety, to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, this was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. So in understanding who we are, uh, first of all, realize that you have been made in the image of God and you have sacred value that is not measurable by human standards. Second of all, you have a sacred reflection that you, your giftings, the grace of God on your life, you are going to reflect the personhood of God. Your reflection may be slightly different than mine, but we're, we are reflecting God. And when we all are reflecting our grace and our giftings, the, the outside, I say the outside, I'm talking about people that are not yet born again. When they see the body of Christ functioning together in unity in the middle of diversity, there's diverse Diversity, but there's unity. And when the world sees that, people that have not yet come to faith, when they see that, they are seeing a sacred reflection of Almighty God. The high priestly prayer recorded in, in the Gospel of John 17, Jesus basically prayed that, that we would be one as he is one. We would be reflecting him. And that as a result of that, the world would know that God loves them as he loved Jesus and that we love people and that he loves us. So it's very, very powerful. Very powerful. So God is in relationship with others like himself. You know, that's his Trinitarian nature. So we reflect him in that we were made for a relationship with others like ourselves. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, this is from the King James. I think we have a slide for that one. Genesis 2, 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So there's a, a comparableness. There, there's a likeness. And, and so we want to continue to uh, reflect that sacred value and that sacred uh, reflection that we have in God. Then let's get into uh, the third value. In, uh, and that is that we have a sacred purpose. Sacred purpose. So we have a sacred value, we have a sacred reflection, and we also have a sacred purpose. All of creation is to be filled with God's rule and reign. God's plan is to share his world with humans and to have his rule and his reign brought about through us. Awesome. Awesome. Responsibility. But we serve an awesome God. We were created in the image and in the likeness of an awesome God. And God has created us and he has put us on the planet. And it's his, all of creation is to be filled with God's rule and reign. Rule and reign. So God gave us the Genesis mandate in Genesis 1, verse 28. Genesis 1, verse 28. It says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. We're talking about humanity. Who, is, who are people and what is unique about us? 
Well, what's unique about us is God has put us here and he has blessed us. And he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So yes, it is not right for you if you have a pet cat and your cat rules your house. <laughs> they are not supposed to rule the house. They think they rule the house, but they don't. All right? So get a grip. And that's a good place to practice is with your cat. Say, cat, when I'm home, that chair is not your chair. <laughs> I better stick with my notes here. <laughs> I, I very seldom win when I start busting on cats and dogs. So, <laughs> cats, dogs don't rule the house either. So, anyway, nor should our children rule the house. Now I'm really digressing. <laughs> so, all of creation is to be filled with God's rule and reign as God's plan to share his world with humans and to have his rule and reign brought about through us. We have that mandate from God. We are called to steward the earth, to care for creation, to tend, to build, and plan. We're to fill the earth. We're to spread out. We're to take his glory everywhere. We're to create families. We're to create culture. We're to go everywhere. And Jesus promised that he would go with us, do everything that he would do because he made us and he is going with us. So it's very important to recognize that God has established, and the question might be, what can God do apart from us, or what does God do apart from us? And what is it that he can't do? And people say, well, he's God. He can do everything. He can do anything he wants. He is God, and he, obviously, he was in fellowship and in, in loving relationship with Jesus, the Son, and, and, and the Holy Spirit of God. In that relationship, he, they went about and, and, and brought creation into existence. But in God being God, he chose to put humanity on the earth and give humanity responsibility to rule and to reign and to govern the earth. So God being God gave responsibility to tend and to keep to govern the earth. He gave it to us, human beings. And so we can't afford to take the approach that, well, it really doesn't matter what I do or don't do because God is God and he's in control. Ultimately, he is in control. He started in the beginning, in a loving relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Then they went into creation and have creation, and he's still with us today. You know, we have sin entered the world through, through Lucifer, through Satan, but God sent Jesus to fix that and brought us back into a right relationship with God, and we are still here, and we still have a responsibility to be a, to, 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 uh, to rule and to reign because we have sacred purpose. We are to be a sacred reflection and always to remember that we have sacred value. So there's some things that if we don't do them, they won't get done. Say, well, God is God and he can just do anything that he wants to do, Pastor Ray. Well, if you want to have that argument, come at me. Because he will, first of all, he will make you walk in love and you will love me. <laughs> And he will make you pay your tithes and your offerings. Are you with me? <laughs> and he will make you love your neighbor. 
You're called upon to do these things, but he won't make you do them. He wants you to do these things, but he won't make you do these things. Jesus could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. I wanted to gather you together under my wings as the hen gathers her chicks under her her wings, but I could not. You wouldn't have me. Multiple places in Scripture were God's heart looking for a man to stand in the gap to pray. Couldn't find one. And so God chose to operate and to govern and to display his love and his, uh, his sacred value toward humanity and our sacred purposes and, and, and value, but he wants to continue. To that. We re- I read that to you from Ephesians. He wants that to continue to be on display to those of us that have come into that loving relationship with God the Father. There's a... Uh, for the sake of illustration, there's a story that I heard some time ago, and it was about this country preacher. He passed a little country church and pretty much in a farming community, all these farms around him. And this one particular farm in the community had been abandoned, and it, it, the house was run down, the barn was run down, it was needing paint, it was needing refreshed, it was needing fixed up. Uh, the landscaping was all overgrown and just everything looked a mess. The fields hadn't been tilled for some time and so they were just overgrown with brush and you know, it had to be cleared out in order to make it tillable. And so this farmer came into town and he, he saw the potential in this, in this farm and so he bought the farm and he went to work feverishly fixing up the house, making it look nice, new paint, new roof, and uh, fixed up all the landscaping, made it look really pretty, and then he worked on the, on, the, on the barn itself and fixed up the barn and all the other outbuildings. Then he got busy with this equipment and cleared out all the fields and planted a, planted a fresh uh, season of crops, and all of a sudden this farm was transformed to looking really, really nice. And uh, one Sunday afternoon, the preacher came driving by, and he noticed the, the transformation in the farm. And he was like, he was shocked. He said, wow, this place was really a mess, and look at it now. It looks spectacular. It's beautiful. So he couldn't help but stop in and compliment the farmer. He said, I, I, I noticed you were at church this morning. I know you're new in town. He said, but I just want to stop in and compliment you. He said, you and the Lord... Follow me now. You and the Lord did an awesome job. This is spectacular. This place is transformed. The farmer said, thank you very much, Reverend. He said, but you should have seen it when God had it all by himself. (laughs) That illustration will serve you well in the mindset of what can God do without us? Maybe the question should be, what will he do without us or what won't he do without us? I've tried it already. He, 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 never, he never showed up to mow my grass. <laughs> I thought, you know what? I don't feel like it this week. We'll see if God shows up. Hasn't happened. And so you keep that mindset. And in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, this is a part of the, of the great commission that Jesus gave to the church. And this is our, this is our mandate, that we're to teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you and be sure of this. Everyone say, be sure of this. This is what we're to be sure of. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So God is with you. 
He is with you to help you carry out your sacred purpose. He is with you to continually remind you of your sacred value created in the image and likeness of God. You are loved beyond measure. Your value is immeasurable. And he is with you always and to help you carry out that sacred reflection that God put us here for to be a reflection of his goodness, of his likeness. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you this morning for the opportunity to communicate the word of the Lord. I thank you, Lord God, for helping us to have a a, a greater clarity of who we are and why you created us and how you delight in us being here, even with the pain and the suffering that we humans have a propensity to inflict among one another. Even... In spite of that, Father God, you call us unto yourself and you declare us to have sacred value, all of humanity. So, Father, open up our eyes and help us to have that sacred, to have that uh, uh, viewpoint of seeing everyone as uh, having that sacred value. Help us, Lord God, to really, really understand at all times that we are so conscious of of the image and the likeness of God and our sacred value, that we are reflecting you and that we are committed to walking in the purposes that you have called us to in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And it's all made possible because when things went awry with humanity, when sin entered the world, you had a plan. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus came and made it possible for everything to be restored in our relationship with God. So we thank you for that, Father. Thank you for it. Just reflect for just a moment with the eyes closed. Perhaps you're thinking, I have never experienced that restoration. I, I didn't know Jesus came to make everything right. He did. He came and he paid the ultimate price. He shed his blood at Calvary's cross to make our relation, to restore our relationship to God the Father. Experiencing that that sacred value, bringing us into a place of that sacred reflection and get us flowing again in our sacred purposes. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, just in your heart right now, repeat this prayer with me. Say, thank you, Father for sending Jesus to forgive me of all my sin. I confess Jesus today as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for my sacred value. I will purpose to be a reflection, and I will purpose to discover and to walk in the purposes of my life from this day on. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So again, thank you for worshiping together with us and just um, having ears to hear. Continue to take copious notes over these next couple of weeks. I really think it's going to be very foundational, but also very revelational and just really help us to, to flow in who we are as the body of Christ.